Amen. So tonight, um, before I, I come to you and, and, and give you a sermonette, if you will, um, I'm going to ask Brother Caden Templeton to come. And I, I uh, put him on the spot um, a few weeks ago, and I said, how about you say something before I preach on a Wednesday night? And uh, he, he said, yeah, absolutely. I called him when he was uh, on break at work, and he said, absolutely. He's kind of dumbfounded a little bit, kind of a little shocked. Um, but I like, I like to do that to people for some reason. It's just it's something that my mother put in me. I just uh, like to put people on the spot. So um, he's going to come and bring forth a, a, a word to us tonight. So can you welcome him as he comes? We're so thankful for these young people. telling myself there's not a single person in this church that I wouldn't be able to talk to one-on-one, so I'm just going to do all at once. But uh, first and foremost, I want to thank God for everyone in this church, and uh, you know, you know, a good church is hard to find. It really is, um, and no church is perfect, but this church has helped me tremendously in my spiritual growth, and everyone that's helped me. I just appreciate it. Um, I thank God for saving me. Um, I was raised in church my whole life, so there's not really a specific date where I feel like, you know, I can look back and say, that's the day God saved me. But I feel like, you know, being raised in church, I um, I was just blessed with, you know, parents that brought me up in church. And not everybody has that in their life, and I'm just, even now that I'm getting older, I appreciate more and more, but uh, I want to take my text tonight from 2 Timothy 1.7, says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind, you know, it starts out for God. So the only solution for this is God, because God is the one who can give us the spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. People outside the church have the mindset that these things, power and love, can be obtained by their own works. They try to climb the corporate ladder. They try to be as uh, well-known as possible. They try to make the six-digit income. They try to get so many followers on social media. They do all these things to try and gain this power. They search high and low to find love, whether it be on dating apps or even in churches, but they try to fill this void of love that they need, but it's only God that can give it. There's no one that can give power like God, and there's no one that can make you feel loved like God. After all, he showed his love through his son, that died on the cross, John 3.16. It's one of the most basic verses, but it's one of the most important. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, for whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I've had some pretty good gifts from loved ones, but nothing like everlasting life, and I'm very thankful for that tonight. John 14.27 says, Peace I leave with you, peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, Give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. Once again, God has given us a gift of peace, 
that only he can give, a peace that only he can fulfill. Again, the world, they'll try to find this peace. They'll try to find the high, you know. They'll turn to drugs. They'll turn to alcohol. They'll turn to all these other things but God. But if I, you know, even people in the church, even I've been guilty of it before, I'll try to, I'll say, God, I got this on my own. But that's when it, that's when it gets ugly is when you try to do it on your own because only God can give you those things. He's the one that does it best. And, uh, you know, if you have, if you're here and you fill a void in your life or you've been searching for something to fill those, those, the emptiness in your life, if I could just urge you to try God, he's the one that does it the best. You know, he can give you peace in your troubled time. He can replace your, your anxiety with, with a sound mind. He can replace your depression with joy. And he can replace your fear with courage. He will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So I haven't had a brother, but I've had some, some friends that were like brothers. And I could call them at any time, but sometimes they may be busy. But God will never be too busy for you. And if I could urge you to do anything tonight, as if you need anything in life, if you have any emptiness or a void that you feel like you need filling, just try God. Try God every time over what the world has to offer. Okay. Praise God. If you gentlemen and lady want to come and help me out tonight, give Brother Caden another hand tonight. For ministering to us. You know, it's not, he was, he was saying, I don't even know if I got five minutes worth. And I was reassuring him that it's not about, we're going to do some rearranging here. It's not about the length, but it's about just speaking from your heart and what God has given you. And I will tell you, I, I've told our young people many times, and they may not like it, but it's true. We live in a world where you can post anything, right? Just about anything. And so often we see in the church that people will post a verse and expound on it, but could never look someone eye to eye and tell them about the goodness of God. And I'm so thankful for young people that are not afraid to come up here and just share their heart with the Lord. If you're looking at my display here, it, it does look weird and it is rigged um, to pieces, but we'll get there in a moment. All right. So. I want you to open your Bibles tonight, and we're going to talk a little bit around the same lines of that void that Brother Caden was speaking on. But I want us to go to Judges chapter 16, very familiar portion of Scripture, very familiar story. And we're just going to try to speak into your life tonight and encourage you and and listen, I, I, I feel like sometimes, and Pastor probably feels this way uh, at times, that we feel like God gives us a lot of, a lot of things over and over. And some of this, and, and I'm not going to preach anything new to you tonight. Some of this is very basic. Some of this is just church history um, and, and just what I, I see and what I feel like the Lord has revealed to me. Um, but... I promise you that I want to encourage you this evening. 
And how many knows that, as Pastor says often from this platform, that our best days are not behind us, but they are before us. And, and I will tell you, nothing gives me more reassurance than to see young men and young women stand up and proclaim the word of God, not only from the platform, uh, but in their daily life. And I, I tell you, there is hope. There is a bright future for the church of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Judges chapter 16. We're going to begin in verse number 20. And, and just to get you up to this point really quickly, this is where Delilah is going hard after uh, Samson to give up and to reveal the secret to his strength and to his power. And it says uh, that he, in verse 19, that he laid his head in her lap for the fourth time in this passage of Scripture. And he has already given away that secret to his power. And in verse 20, it says, And she said, The Philistines, or the Philistines, be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before. And he shake and shake myself. And he wist not, or he knew not, that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. Someone say, Ouch. And brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow. Someone say grow. Grow again after he was shaven. So listen, they shaved his head. They plucked out his eyes. They put him in brass feathers. fetters, and, and now we are here in verse 23. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered themselves together for, uh, for to offer great sacrifice unto Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. And for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass uh, when their hearts were merry, or pretty much when the party was getting uh, pretty lively, they said, Call for Samson that we may make sport or make fun of him. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made and, and, and he made them sport. And they sat him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. And the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. Someone say, remember me. I pray thee and, sh and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the middle pillars upon, that, upon which the house stood and on which uh, it was bore up and one of them at his right hand and the other on his left. And Samson said, let me die with these Philistines. And he bowed himself 
with all his might, and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew in his death were more than they which slew him, which slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his fathers came down and took him and brought him up and buried him in Zorah and Eshtola and the burying place of Manoah, his father. And he judged Israel 27 years. Lord, let us pray tonight. Lord God, we come before you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done for us, what you mean to us. And God, I ask that you just minister minister to us through your word tonight. And God, I ask that we have ears to hear and hearts to receive what you have. In Jesus' name, amen. So I know there was a lot of reading there tonight, and I could have paraphrased a lot of that. But I, I, I know this is a very familiar story to many of you. But I want you to know that there is a parallel I want to draw very quickly for you to this story. Not only to the church as a whole, but to us as individuals. How many knows that the church, uh, when it was started in Acts chapter 2, they were, excuse me, truly a peculiar people. They were truly a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. These were people that were on fire for God, that were doing signs and wonders for God. And we know that obviously because we're here tonight, that the church survived the ages from millennia to millennia, the church has thrived. The church has had obstacles. The, churches, the church of Jesus Christ has had massive ups and they've had very uh, dark lows. And I want to tell you tonight that in the last century, the church of Jesus Christ has had many high moments. Uh, but I believe that we, we speak so often about you know, what my grandparents have and, and, and still have and, and the experiences that they saw with their own eyes, the miraculous power of God. And we talk about revivals of old. And, and I want you to know what distinguished the people of God then is that they were people of covenant. Uh, they were people of separation. The church uh, was a church of integrity and morality. They believed in holiness of heart, uh, which led to holiness in body. But I, I want you to know that what has happened, and, and, and this again is nothing new to anybody here tonight, but what has happened in recent years uh, is the church has become a lot like Samson and has desired to mingle with the pleasures and the lusts and the sins of this world. We have allowed the world to grab hold of our attention and in doing so they have captured our hearts. The devil has used uh, uh, many things, many wicked things uh, of this world, many devices of this world, just as Delilah did to Samson. And he's asking a question to the church and he's been asking it for quite some time. I'm talking about the enemy has been asking the church uh, the same question uh, that Delilah asked Samson. And he, and she asked him in verse six of this chapter, where does your power, where does your strength lie? Tell me the secret to your strength. Tell me the, the secret. Tell me what allows you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Tell me what allows you to worship and feel the presence of God enter a room. Tell me what allows you to step into a place that seems hopeless and feels down and depressed. Tell me what allows you to step into 
that room and change the atmosphere. Tell me what causes the church to thrive. Tell me, and the enemy has been asking this question of the church just as Delilah did to Samson saying, tell me, I want to know what is the secret to your power? Why, 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 why won't you just come over here and be a part of this? And why don't you just come over here and be a part of that? And what we don't even realize is that in the church age that we've been living in for the last 50 years, there has been a slow and gradual decline in morality. We're no longer a people of integrity and moral conduct. The church of Jesus Christ is just as apt to look like the world as anything. You walk into churches these days and you might find behind a platform a gay pastor. You may find behind a platform a gay worship leader. You may even find in many places in this country someone say that I was a woman and now I'm a man but I love the Lord. I don't want to follow any of his commandments. I don't want to do anything that he's called me to do but what we see here is that there has been this decline because we have we have just been inclined to listen to what the devil and what the enemy and what our flesh has been telling us. You don't need all that church. You don't need all that worship. You don't need all that prayer time. You don't need that time alone with God. What you need is what I have. And just like Brother Caden was saying a few moments ago, a lot of people think that if they just have a man, a young woman thinks if I just have a man in my life, I'll be secure. I'll be founded. I'll have a, I'll have life. I'll have meaning in my life. If I just have love, if I, if I just have affection, young men think that if I'm single, then, then something's wrong with me. Or they're, they're, they'll think that I need this validation from someone else. What we have is a world looking for love, but they're looking for it in all the wrong places. You say, why is that happening? Why is that happening in the church? It's because we have laid our head in the lap of a, of a spirit called Delilah that the enemy has put in place. And we have said, listen, I'll let you do whatever you want. I'll let you wrap me up with anything. And the whole time, you don't even realize that what the enemy is truly getting out of you is the secret to your power. I'm not saying there's something secret that we do that the enemy may not know of. I'm telling you tonight that he's robbing you of the secret place. He's robbing you of relationship. He's robbing you of prayer time. He's robbing you of time alone with the word, time alone with God. You're so busy you can't even keep your head on straight. You got so many things going on. You can't worship because you're distracted. You got so much stuff going on in your life. You don't know which way you're going today. You don't know which way you're going tomorrow. And what we have done is we have allowed the church to fall into a spiritual decay. Samson listened to the voice. He listened to the lies. Three times before this that we read about tonight, Delilah said to him, tell me the secret. Tell me the secret. He gives her three bogus accounts. This is what it is. And he's lying to her. And you see, this is what happens with so many believers. I'm going to talk about this individually in church. How many of us want to lay in the lap of luxury? How many people in the church want to lay in the lap of the world, but yet try to hold on to the things of God? 
How many want to sit and watch that pornography on their screen? How many want to sit uh, and, and just constantly think about how you're not good enough uh, and how you need someone else in your life to validate you and you need this and you need that and, and if you have this and, and you sit there and, and you think, well, well, this, this is, these are all the things I need, but I, I want to go to church on Sunday and I want God to bless me and I want him to give me goosebumps uh, and I, I want to dance a little jig and I want, I want to give a little hallelujah and this and all that, but but, but, but I, I still want to go Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and do my own thing. See, he tried, Brother Keaton, he tried for some time to say, I, I'm going to hold on to the call and the anointing of my life. I'm going to hold on to, to the secret thing in my life, but, but yet I, I want to partake of all these things. And I, I promise, I, I will encourage you tonight. This, the, I, I'm just talking about where the church is. I, I'm trying to tell you where we are so I can tell you where we're going. So she presses him in verse 16 of this chapter. She begins to ask him constantly. The Bible says she pressed him daily. She oppressed is what that word means. She oppressed. Uh, she, she, she dug in. She, she said, you've got to tell me. You've got to tell me. You've got to tell me. You've got to tell me where your power is. What, 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 what lie, where, where does your power lie? And the fourth time, Samson relents. And says, I like what's going on here. And the church of Jesus Christ, especially in our nation. Pastor, I believe they got to the point in the last decade or so that they said, you know what? Instead of trying to be separate, let's try to be relevant and reach a world. Why don't I just stay here and walla and all the stuff that I know is wrong just so I can reach someone else who's in the mess? And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, I've, seen, I, I, I've, I've seen stuff on social media. I, I've seen stuff on TV. I want you to know right now, I, I'm sick and tired of the church trying to be relevant well, we got to be relevant to these young people. You know what these young people want? They want the authentic power of the Holy Ghost on display in their lives and in their church. That's what they want. That's been relevant for 2,000 years. But we desire, well, i got to dress a certain way. And, I gotta, and what we, we, we've done as a church culture is we haven't even realized that we, we have fully relented and said, I'll come in on Sunday, I'll do small groups, I might come on a Wednesday, I don't know, I get busy, and, and, and I'll be okay. Samson was still an Israelite. He's an Israelite by name only because he had fully embraced immoral living. And that's why we see in our culture today, again, I'm just telling you where we are as a nation. We see in our culture today, we see that there are so many people that say, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I'm a Christian. 
I can outcuss any drunk. I can outdrink any drunk. I can outsmoke any chain smoker. I can, and there's what we've done is we are a Christian by name only, but we have not allowed our lives to reflect the Word of God. So she presses him, he gives it up, and he says, This is this is what it is. Brother Jaden, he said, This is this is the secret to my power. You want to know what it is? It's my covenant. Pastor preached on this not too long ago, talking about covenant. He said, You want to know what the secret to my power is? It's covenant. I want to preach to you tonight really quickly on covenant and power. I'm going to try to go really fast, but I'm Pentecostal by nature, so it might not happen. Covenant and power. You see, Samson had power because he had a covenant. What's a covenant? A covenant can be simply defined as a binding agreement. A binding agreement. A promise. But what I want to tell you tonight is when he said, I'm giving up my my covenant, I'm letting go of my covenant, what he was really saying is I'm giving up my relationship with God, thus eliminating the power that God wants to use to operate in my life. You say relationship, what does covenant have to do with relationship? I stood on this platform, I looked my beautiful wife in the eyes, and I made a vow to her. I made a covenant before God, before our family and friends, that I was going to love her in sickness and health, richer for poor, mostly poor, and, and, and I was going to be with her through thick and thin. Okay? I, made a, I entered into covenant, a binding agreement with her. That no matter what, I was going to stay with her Whatever came our way, I was going to be with her. I I was in covenant with her. And to be in covenant with her and to be in this binding relationship, this binding agreement with her, I had to come into relationship with her. I don't don't just wake up uh, and go about my daily life uh, and never talk to my wife and just come home and go to bed and never say a word. No, I have to commune with her. I have to spend time with her. And what Samson was saying is, I have a covenant. The secret is my covenant. And what we have allowed the enemy to do is cut off our covenant. He's cut off our relationship from God to the place that that there, there are ministers that will literally say, I probably pray a combined hour a week. Men of God will say, seven days in a week, I might pray an hour. You'll find that there's worship leaders that will stand on the platform and try to declare and to to sing the goodness of God. But Monday through Friday, they're hitting up every honky-tonk. They're playing every every joy, every, every every club that they can get. Why? Because it's not a calling to them. It's not something that, 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 that they are. Worship's not someone who they are, but it's just something they do. We've come to a place 
that people walk into the house of God and say, oh, I'm a Christian. But they haven't prayed before they come to the house of God. They haven't prayed all week. Uh, they haven't read their Bible all week. And guys, listen, I know life gets busy, but I, I want you to understand that that busyness can be a device used by the enemy to destroy your covenant, your relationship with Jesus Christ. And Delilah got him so wrapped up in her in this world has tried to get the church so wrapped up in, in it that we can't even function. Pastor said it from this platform. If the Holy Spirit just left the church, removed the church, uh, removed himself from the church in America today, we would be able to go on every Sunday, week in and week out, and do 95% of the things we do. But it's because we've lost our covenant. No, I'm not saying you have to you pray three hours a day. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm going to say is I hear a whole lot about the church wanting power, but I don't hear a whole lot about the church wanting covenant. Everybody will show up to a Sunday social, get you some hot dogs, get you some burgers, get you some fries. But man, you call a prayer meeting. I'm just, I, I, I'm telling you in love, it's, it's, it's throughout this nation. Leonard Ravenhill said, you want to know who you got on board with you? Call a prayer meeting. That's your church. And because we have replaced covenant with convenience. I'm telling you today, I don't serve a drive-through God. And I don't serve a magician. Because what we've taught in the American church today is that if you show up and you got problems and you got situations, that it doesn't matter what's going on, that you can just show up and beckon God and summon Him and He'll wave a magic wand over your life and everything will disappear. That is not biblical. But that's what it's become because we've become a powerless church because we have become a covenantless church. We've been in a church with no covenant. But I want you to realize that that's where we've been. And this is where we are now because the Bible says in verse 20 here that Samson didn't even realize that the glory and the power of God had departed from him. And the church in America for years didn't even realize. They're like, whoa, we've been operating out of our flesh. And men and women of God have stood up and, and that's why you've heard over the last few years alignment, repentance, let's change. You've heard all these things from men and women of God. It's because God's saying, I I'm not done with you yet. There's still something I have for you. You may have forsaken your covenant, but my Bible tells me in Numbers that, that God is not a man that He should lie. 
He's saying, listen, you may have not kept your end of the bargain, but listen, I'm still a covenant making God. And I, I, I've made a covenant with my people that I would never leave them, that I would never forsake them. And I want you to realize uh, that there may be in churches in this nation where the power of God is not present, uh, but I want you to realize that there is still hope. But what has happened Garrett, I want you to help me out. I pick on you a lot. Come on. What happened is there are churches, pastor, in this nation that have been like Samson, that have entertained the things of the world. I want you to get on that side. Face, face. I want you to turn your back to the crowd. Okay. Didn't realize that the Spirit of God has totally departed from them. And then they wondered why they had no vision. God, why aren't you doing anything? I, God, I, I, I don't even... And, and, and then here's what happens is coming to church becomes a chore. Okay? Coming, coming, coming to church be, becomes a chore because you have no vision. They took out his eyes. The, the Bible says they... Really, when you, you dig into that word, they dug out his eyes. They tortured him. They cut off his hair. And he was a man without vision. And there has been a church in America without vision. And this is what we've been doing. Help me out. Grab a hold. Just walk. As we have found ourselves in the grinding mill of religion, ritual, and we've said this is just how it is. Because I, I don't... Why do I go to church? Well, my mom went to church. My dad went to church. My grandmother went to church. My grandfather went to church. My uncle, uh, my aunt, my uncle, they, somebody in my family went to church. So I just go to church because it's the right thing to do. And we don't even realize that we come in Sunday in, Sunday out, Wednesday in, Wednesday out, revival in, revival out, camp meeting in, camp meeting out. And all we're doing is going in circles because we can't see. There's no spiritual ambition in our lives. There's no hunger. There's no thirst for the things of God. Why? Because we've given all of our power, all of our ability, all our giftings, all of our talents, we've given it to the world. And we think, this is just church. This is how it's supposed to be. Because I can't see. I, I don't see a future. Young people kill themselves and, and, and droves every, every few minutes in this country. Why? Because they have no vision. Why do they have no vision? Because there's a church in its nation, in their nation, that doesn't have a vision. Well, we'll just, we'll just, and listen, I, I, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. I've been in youth ministries for, for, for five years. I, I've heard a lot of things from young people. I've heard a lot of things from parents uh, and say, well, youth group's just about, you know, them having fun and, and them getting together and, and them just having fellowship. Listen, all those things are good. But if these young people 10 years from now aren't serving in their local church, aren't leading worship, aren't teaching Sunday school, aren't ministering from the platform, aren't doing outreach, aren't in the form mission field I have failed because there's more to life than a meal there's more to life than a circle there's more to life than ordinary American church 
There is more to life. There's more to your spiritual life uh, than just saying, well, I just go to church uh, because that's what I'm supposed to do. And I just go to church uh, because they, they're nice to me. And, 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 and all these things, listen, I, I'm not saying that those things are bad and you should be faithful to the house of God. Uh, but what is the church doing if we're going in circles? And he just sitting here. He's just grinding out daily life. I'm going to be honest with you. The Lord spoke to me this morning because I was going to preach something totally different, Brother Warren. But the Lord spoke to me this morning and He said, there's going to be people in this house tonight and, and they're doing this. There's young people, there's adults in this house that this is how their spiritual life has been. Right here. I have no spiritual ambition. I don't know what God's calling me to do. I don't want to know what God's calling me to do. I'm afraid of what God's calling me to do. Whatever it may be. And they're saying, I'm just going to stick to what I know. And that's the mill. I'm going to grind it out in life. Just because that's what I'm supposed to do. And he sat here. And he sat here. Samson sat here. And he's just grinding. He's just going through service after service. Nothing happening. Nothing happening. Nothing happening. But the Bible says something profound. Stay up here. The Bible says something truly profound in our text in verse 22. While he was in this meal, something actually started to happen. His hair began to grow back. His covenant began to grow back. And I want you to know that the American church may have been here and may be here right now. Just around in circles, around in circles. You can pick it up a little bit. Round in circles. This is what we've been doing. But, but what's been happening in the recent times, in the recent days, what's been happening is there have been a remnant of people that say, I am sick of this. And what you don't even realize is there's a covenant, there's a relationship with the American church. There's a remnant in the American church. There is a relationship beginning to mend, beginning to grow back. Uh, there's repentance that's beginning to happen. It's been happening on a small scale, but it's beginning to grow. And there's people beginning to say, young people, young adults even, teenagers, I'm talking from the littlest to the littlest to the oldest of oldest, saying we cannot continue to do what we're doing. We cannot continue to come here and grind it out every Sunday. Well, I'm not going to come in here every Sunday and hope that you're ready ready to worship. I'm not going to come in here on a Wednesday night and have to stir you up uh, to get you excited about the things of God. Uh, I, I, I'm, listen, I'm sick of the grind. Uh, I'm sick of just grinding it out day in and day out. Uh, I'm sick of just barely having a prayer life. Uh, uh, barely just having a reading time. I'm sick and tired of the way things are. Uh, and what happened is uh, though he was chained, uh, though he had fetters on his feet, uh, and though he was going in circles, uh, and yes, he had no vision, but something began to happen, brother.
Brother Jaden, I believe wholeheartedly that he began to pray. He began to crawl out to God and say, oh God, remember me. Remember how you used me. Remember, I remember God what you did in my life in the sanctuary of the saints. I remember how your Holy Spirit used to move upon me when I was a young girl or as I was a teenager. Oh God, I remember being used to exhort people. God, I remember encouraging people. I remember praying for people. Oh God, I remember the zeal I had in my life when I first met you, when I first came to knowledge of you, and I first came into your saving grace. Oh God, remember me. Remember me. I may be in a pit. I may be in a bad place. I may have made mistakes. Church, many of you, including me, we have made mistakes. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, but I want you to know that God says, I remember my covenant. I just want you to remember me. You can be seated. Thank you. And I believe wholeheartedly what happened in that, in that grinding mill. It says that hair began to grow. His covenant began to grow back. I believe he was calling out to God and said, I remember what it was like to feel your power come upon me. I remember what it was like to be anointed and, and, and to go to someone and lay hands on them and, and see, see God do wonders in their life. I remember what that was like. I began, I, began, I began to just hear this morning the Lord say, He began to cry out a, a prayer of repentance, a, a prayer of supplication. And I, I don't know, it's not recorded in our Bible, but I just feel, what, what if He just began to just cry out to God and the covenant began to grow back? He didn't have no vision. He didn't know what the future held. He didn't know what was going to come next. But, but He just began to say, God, I remember how it used to be. I remember how it was. I, I just remember your anointing. I remember your power running through my life uh, and how many of us uh, have been used by God in the past, uh, but it's been years. Parents, uh, listen to me tonight. It may have been years. Uh, you have, may have made many mistakes. Uh, you, have may have, you may have made many errors. Uh, you've made, uh, you may have had bad judgment, bad discernment. Uh, you may have hurt people around you. Uh, you may have hurt people in your family. It doesn't matter what it's been. I want you to know uh, that there is still a God God that can hear you while you're grinding through life. There is still a God. My Bible tells me in Isaiah 59 that his arm is not shortened that he cannot reach and his ear is not too heavy that he cannot hear you. There is a God that hears those prayers, young people in the middle of night when you're saying, God, I don't know what you want me to do. Everybody's forsaken me. Nobody understands me. God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. And you're just grinding through. I want you to know that you can look unto the hills which cometh your help and your help still comes from the Lord. I'm going to close tonight. They'll come to the music. What's began to happen Is there's people crying out in the pits of life. Maybe you can say, I'm just here spiritually. I'm just, I'm just on a rotation. I, 
It's just the status quo. Just grinding it out. Day in and day out. They worship Pastor Jade. When, you, when, when the worship team worships, I just don't feel anything. You just hear. Pastor Jade, when you preach, when Brother Ronnie preaches, I just feel like I'm so cold to the things of God. You're right here. You're on, you're on the grinding mill and you're just trying to make it through. But my Bible tells me, the psalmist says, if I ascend into heaven, You'll be there. And even if I'm in hell, you'll be there. And that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. He even goes on to say in that next verse, verse 5, that you even prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. But he goes on in that verse and he says, but you have anointed my head with oil. And my cup runneth over. If you, it, it runneth over there in the, in the Hebrew is one word that just means satisfied. What David was saying in that psalm is even when I'm in the darkest of places in my life, your anointing satisfies me. It's enough. And Samson said, in our text tonight, he began to cry out, Oh Lord God, remember me. Remember me, I pray thee. And strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, oh God. Church, we still got one more move of God left in us. We still got one more charge in front of us. Young people, get ready. Bear arms. I'm not talking about earthly things. I'm talking about spiritually because the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but what? They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Get ready. Why? Because there may be battles. There may be valleys. But God has equipped you to resist and overcome them all. You may just be grinding it out. Samson's final act was greater than any of his others and he cried out and just said remember me remember me if you'll stand with me across this house the church of Jesus Christ in this nation may have been on decline for years the grind stops here. Young person, we're not going to fake it till we make it. Because if we fake it, we'll never make it.
instead of faking it till we make it, how about what my mom used to say, when in doubt, shout it out. Sick of ordinary. Because my God's extraordinary. I want covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Because this world needs to see His power. I believe the covenant that God has with the American church is beginning to grow back. Because He's saying there's one more battle. There's one major thing that I want to see accomplished. And I believe He wants to use this nation to do it. I believe He wants to use this generation to do it. So I ask you to be encouraged. I know I may have said a lot of, lot of, lot of things tonight that, that was in our past, but this is our future. And our future is bright. There's greatness ahead of this ministry and ministries across this nation that are calling on the name of the Lord. Hello, everybody. We just want to come to you today and say thank you so much for taking some time to watch us. Um, we hope that this message was encouraging and a blessing to you. Um, feel free to private message us and follow us on all social media platforms that will be listed below. Thank you, guys, and have a great day.